A man stopped for dinner at a Chinese restaurant, and the meal that he ordered was very delicious. And he thought, I would really like to have the recipe. And so he asked the waiter, and the recipe said, let me go back to the kitchen and ask. And he came back a few minutes later with a piece of paper and said, here you go, sir. He was very happy until he got home, unfolded the paper, and found that it was written in Chinese. <laughs> Not what he expected. It's kind of like a Peanuts cartoon from years ago. In the first panel, we see Charlie Brown saying, I learned something in school today. I signed up for folk guitar, computer programming, stained glass, art, shoemaking, and natural foods workshop. And I got spelling, history, mathematics, and two study periods. <laughs> Charlie's friend said, so what did you learn from that? He said, I learned that when you what you sign up for and what you get sometimes are two different things. At age uh, 15 or 16, I signed up for full-time ministry. I knew God was calling me into the ministry, and I told God that whatever it takes, I'll go. Forty years later, <laughs> at the age of 55, it finally happened. Not exactly what I had in mind. Not exactly what I signed up for. Sometimes you expect one thing and you get another. That could be said about most things in life, I think. How often what we expect and what we get are very, very different. I imagine Jesus' disciples had to feel that way. They sure had to feel that way this day. They zigged, he zagged. He was always surprising them. Every time they thought they had Jesus figured out, he threw them a curve. He did something that they could have never predicted. And that sent their expectations into orbit. Let's look at, first of all, the disciples' expectations. Next Sunday, we will celebrate the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. You remember that happy occasion. We celebrate it every year and say, Hosanna. We wave the palms. When Jesus entered the great city of Jerusalem, the people came out. And they cheered him. And they threw palm branches. Not the little ones that we have. Palm branches. They threw them on his path. It was a symbol of victory. He would have gotten a great score that day on public opinion polls if they would have had him. What did his disciples think about all this, I wonder? Probably something like, hey, this is great. We're finally getting some respect around here. All of our hard work and our sacrifice are paying off. People are coming around to Jesus' view of things. It's time to start campaigning for that new kingdom that the master's always talking about. Time to get our candidate's message out to the people. And what better place to do it than Jerusalem, the biggest city in the region? Man, Jesus sure is smart. He waited this long, but here we are. He knows exactly how to work a crowd. He must have planned it this way all along. This is great. And in their minds, this was the hour of victory, I bet. The day they'd been waiting for. And they got even more excited when they heard 
Jesus say, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Yeah, now you're talking. It's, this is it. We're finally on the same page. And this is where they expected a zag, but they got a zig. He said, very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. What's that? If it falls? If it dies? What's he talking about? He's doing it again. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, those who love their life will lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Oh, Jesus, here you go again. And the disciples get that sinking feeling in the pit of their stomach. Why does he have to make everything so hard? Why can't he just relax and enjoy the moment? He's never been more powerful or more popular than he is right now. Why can't he leave well enough alone? Can't he just muster up a rebel army, take over the throne, and name himself king? This is the man who can walk on water and he can raise the dead. Why doesn't he just use a little bit of that power that he has for his own good and for the good of, of his people? But before they can say anything, he confronts them with these words. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now they're really starting to sweat. Whoever serves me must follow me. We do the same. We do. We look at God's promises of eternal life, unimaginable glory, and all the great things that are to come, and all the blessings in this life now. And we say, sure, Lord, I'll follow you there. But then when we hear Jesus' command to serve the poor, take care of the needy, go into the world to spread his message, to take up our cross, to make sacrifices, to die to ourselves. Hmm. We're not so sure about all of that. In the comic, Hager the Horrible, Hager asks his not-so-bright sidekick, Lucky Eddie, he says, I need a second in command. Can you say yes or no with authority, Lucky Eddie? Lucky Eddie says, yes or no with authority. Hager says to himself, I think I'm going to be sick. The best thing we can say about Lucky Eddie was that he was eager to please. But Jesus asks us, asks more of us, his followers, than just being eager to please. He needs people who can say yes with authority. Yes, I am willing to put you first and put others first in my life. Remember kids, J-O-Y. Jesus first, others second, you last. Yes, I am willing to die to myself. And to my agenda, I am willing to follow you, even when it costs me. By now, 
Jesus' followers know that they must make a decision. Disciples are beginning to see that they had expected one thing and they were getting something else. Has that ever happened to you? You ever expected one thing and got something else instead? You expected to retire early, but your 401k took a nosedive? You had high hopes for your child, and he or she just seems to be drifting aimlessly through life and not really showing any ambition or goals. You thought things would be better if you moved to a new town, a new school. You expected one thing and you got another. What do you do? First of all, when this happens to you, I would suggest that you hold on to your values. It's tempting to think when life doesn't work out the way that we want it to, the way that we planned, it's tempting to think what difference does it make what I do with my life? Life really doesn't have any meaning anyway. I'll be gone and people will forget all about me in 50 years, maybe not that long. It does have meaning. Those values that you held on to are a reliable guide on how to behave through the rest of your life. Don't think that Jesus wasn't sympathetic to his disciples' fears. He was. Don't think that he isn't sympathetic to our fears. He is. In verse 27, he says, Now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Doesn't it break your heart to hear those words? Now my soul is troubled. Jesus wasn't easy on his disciples because he wasn't easy on himself. Did he want to be saved from completing his work, from doing what he knew he had to do? I'm sure he did. But did he take the easy way out? No. He told his disciples that it's for this reason that I have come. Father, glorify your name. Ray Pritchard writes this about following God's will. Many times we start a new project, believing that what we are doing is the will of God, and yet very often things don't work out as we planned. Ever had that happen? You took the new job. It didn't work out. Trouble doesn't necessarily mean that you're out of God's will. It might mean that you are doing exactly what God wants you to do. And then he says, no one was ever more in God's will than Jesus, but he was murdered by his enemies. The fact that your life hasn't worked out exactly the way that you planned doesn't necessarily mean that your decisions were wrong or that you did anything wrong. Sometimes there are just other factors at work, and I think we forget that sometimes. In the 90s, there were five dedicated pastors who were murdered while trying to help the Aka Indians in Ecuador. A short time later, a reporter interviewed the widows of these five pastors. And he asked a question that was on many people's minds. He said, why do you suppose God would permit this to happen? For these five pastors to be killed. These men were on an errand of mercy to help these people 
and they killed them. One of the wives very quietly replied, Sir, God delivered my husband from the possibility of disobedience. Wow, that's pretty deep. There was no question. Even in that horrible hour, after having lost her husband, about her faith and about her values. Those values gave her strength. They gave her meaning. They gave her hope in spite of a bad situation. When life turns out different than you expected, first of all, hold on to your values. Second, go deeper into your faith. This next part of the story is fascinating. After Jesus says, Father, glorify your name, we read these words. A voice from heaven came, saying, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Then notice these words. The crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. I think that's interesting. Some people were ready to hear God's voice. Others just heard thunder. What would you have heard, I wonder? What would I have heard? It's like the parable of the sower. Some of the seeds fall on fertile ground. Other seeds fall on weeds and they, they're, where they're choked out. And some fall on barren ground and never grow at all. When life has not turned out the way that we have expected, go deeper into your faith. Spend more time listening to God. Read the scriptures. Listen to what the people you care about are saying. Listen. Spend more time in prayer. See if God will give you new insights into God's will. May I suggest if you do that, you won't hear thunder. Hold on to your values. Go deeper into your faith. And finally, when things turn out different than you expected or that you planned. Look for a victory. You know, every so often in life, we see that what we're, we, what we're really looking for is what we end up seeing. If we're looking for defeat, we will see defeat all around us. Oh man, it's not going to get better for a long time. We're going to be wearing these stupid masks until we retire. We're not going to, life's never going to be the same again. Life's never going to be good again. Blah, blah, blah. I hear this all the time. If that's what you're looking for, that's probably what you're going to find. And the rest of your life is probably going to be to some degree miserable because you decided it is. If we're looking for defeat, we will see defeat all around us. If we look for victory, we will find it. Now is the judgment of this world, Jesus says to his disciples. The ruler of this world will be driven out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Jesus wasn't just going to declare himself king over Jerusalem or over the Jewish people or over the Roman Empire. Jesus had much bigger plans. By his death, he broke down the wall between humanity and God. He would draw all people, he said, to himself. It was through his death that he gives us 
eternal life. No matter how bad life may be going for you, God still can and will bring a victory. In 1995, a Vietnamese preacher, To Dinh Trung, was arrested. And he was beaten by the police, and then they threw him in jail. His crime was preaching the gospel. Well, while he was in jail, he began ministering to other inmates. And finally, after six months, outside pressure from Christians around the world convinced the government of Vietnam to release him. When they went to release him, he refused his release. So many men in the prison were coming to faith and were being discipled that he decided he was going to stay there and serve out his full sentence. He said, I don't care about my own life. The most important thing is that I have a mission to complete. The work that the Lord gave me to tell people about and share God's grace and God's love. He never expected himself to, be, to find himself in prison for sharing his faith. But even in prison, he experienced a victory. So, you're looking at your life right now. You expected one thing, you got something else. You expected that you and your loved one were going to be together until you were both 110 years old and then you were just going to drift off to sleep together and both go to heaven. It didn't work out that way. You expected that you were going to get that perfect job and make lots of money and, not, and be able to retire at 50. Just didn't work out that way. That doesn't mean at all that you're not in the center of God's will. It just means that there are many things in this life that we do not understand and God's way is not our way. Records tell us that most of Jesus' disciples were persecuted. Many were killed for their faith. And it was from their blood that the early church was formed. And now here we are, over 2,000 years later, people still serving God in many ways, including gathering weekly in places like this to worship him and to celebrate that message that they were first told so long ago. What do you do when life turns out differently than you expected? Hold on to your values. Go deeper into your faith and look for God's victory. Amen.